911 emergency. What are you reporting? A sinister sighting? Stay on the line for Donna and Karen. Remember, creep it real and don't get scared. And we are a Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 156. And you just heard that excellent intro by Ileana R. That's her job. And like, she's so professional at it. I mean, 911, what's your emergency? <laughs> I'd be like, girl, what's going on? What's going on? They're calm like, down, calm down. <laughs> That's what Donna would do. <laughs> no, I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Oh my God. Uh, ma'am, do you need help? <laughs> yes, please. I would not be a good operator at all. I wouldn't be a good operator of, you know, back in the day when they would like, operator, how can I direct your call? Like, I couldn't do that because I'd be like, oh, who are you calling? Oh, this is the third time you called this week. You know that would be me. For sure, for sure. Well, if you want to kick ass at that intro, uh, just like Ileana did, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one. This is not Amber from Alabama and found the show due to TCO. That's true crime obsessed. I listened from lunch until I got home and the next day, resulting in crushing around 14 episodes. I started with Not Your Average Joe since I was unsure if it was based on prior episodes. Now I'm going to start from the beginning. I love the show so much. I've listened secretly due to where I am and have to maintain looking dead in the eyes, the opposite of Tyra Banks and her smize. Y'all crack me up, and it's nice to hear some fellow Southern Bells on the radio. It's basically the radio because podcasts are very similar to what Prairie Home Companion was to the older crowd. I also love the Golden Girls references since it's a classic favorite along with Designing Women. I'm Rose. I accidentally told my limited sex history in front of my cousin's husband last weekend after some cocktails. Yesterday at work, I cried when I couldn't find my prong bracket. I grew up Southern Baptist, was a missionary, married a Southern Baptist preacher, and he left me. That is a long, fascinating story for another day. I'm a Sagittarius and know nothing about it. I never meet a stranger, have been called weird in the best possible way by multiple people, and never mind thinking outside the box. I was never aware of a box to begin with. So here's my attempt at an email. Hello, creepsters. Did I get that right? I have a friend that sees shadow people, but in hallways regularly due to childhood trauma. Do y'all know anything about that? I have sleep paralysis and see the man with red eyes. I have also talked and walked in my sleep since I can remember and still do to this day at 40 years old. I actually asked for a second floor apartment because I wanted to protect my cats. I'll tell that story later. I have an ambient story. It doesn't make me sleep. It actually makes me awake and a little hyper. While on Ambien, I ate. This would not be unusual since I eat in my sleep all the time, but rarely do I go in the freezer, defrost food, cook an entire meal, eat, put everything away, and go back to bed. I did not realize, though, it kept me awake, except for the eating event. Unfortunately, my pawpaw was tragically killed in a car accident, and I was basically awake for a week. On another note, I was finally diagnosed with narcolepsy with insomnia, which sounds counterproductive, but it's a nightmare, literally. My husband left me with PTSD, and ever since I was a kid, I have had nightmares and night terrors. I dream in color, remember my dreams every morning, and have lucid dreams. I will have a nightmare and think to myself, let's see how this plays out, and I can manipulate what happens. I can also say, this is a dream, wake up, and I will. 
I actually take medication for PTSD and nightmares. When I do not take it, I have nightmares until I take it again. Bizarre. They said that, not me. I know this is a long email, and y'all probably feel like I have not really shared anything interesting. So here's a little tidbit that I will offer up as only one of the things I did. When I was three years old, we had a neighbor who was in high school and a senior. He had the type of relationship with my parents. They would roll each other's yards and things. He was my, air quotes, boyfriend. Well, one night I woke up crying and my mom came into my room to see what was wrong. I told her that T was not coming home. She said he would be at home and we could see him tomorrow. I told her that no, he wouldn't ever be coming home. They found out later that very night he died in a horrible car accident. I was right. Yep, I was a creepy kid. Well, I just wanted to say hello and tell y'all how much I love the show. I have plenty of stories to tell. I've led a strange life and people are drawn to me and I love them. I'm going to attempt to get the ending right and if I do not, I apologize. I love the show. Keep up the good work and don't be afraid. I have to always keep telling myself that. Creep it real, not Amber. This is why I can't have kids though. Because if a kid said, like, Timmy's not coming home and you're like, oh, he will. No, he won't. Never mind. Nope. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. I've never heard of anybody like manipulating their dreams like that. Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, I've heard of people like dream hopping and shit. So I guess, yeah. I guess, duh, if you can do that, you can manipulate them. Yeah. Not me. I can't do that because I'm like, please do not like I wake up and I'm like, oh, do not dream that again. Do not go. And like I close my eyes, go right back to that fucking dream. But when I want to go back to that dream, can never go back. What's up with that? My bad luck. The next one is Bedazzled Douches Haunted Museum. Hello, gorgeous ladies. I wanted to tell you this story about my visit to Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum. I took a short trip to Vegas all by my onesies about four years ago, just kind of to prove to myself I can do fun things as a single lady, no partner attached. I went and saw the Cirque du Soleil Beatles love show at the Mirage and booked my first ever five-star hotel room on the Strip. Damn! Mm-hmm. Since the Beatles show wasn't until later at night, I did some other tourist attractions, one of them being the Haunted Museum. I'm going to be straight right off the bat. I think Zach is full of shit. I hate his show and I think his method of ghost hunting is terrible. If I were a ghost and some douchebag in an Ed Hardy shirt came into my territory screaming at me and being confrontational, I'd fuck right off and stay away from them until they left. But he has money and he spends his money collecting items that I am definitely interested in. If you're ever in Las Vegas, I would recommend visiting his museum. Even though it's funding his idiot self, he has a lot of really interesting artifacts and the people who work there do an amazing job. I'm not going to talk about everything I saw, like the infamous Dybbuk box, the very one that changed Zach from... (laughs) The very one that changed Zach from bedazzled boo to Dybbuk douche. (laughs) That one fucking Halloween... Ugh. Yeah, four hours of your life, you never got back and never you didn't open back. the fucking box. <laughs> Think back on your life on this one moment that changed everything. Halloween event. <laughs> <laughs> Circa nobody knows. I can't remember. I think it was 2020. Oh, my God. All right, back to the things. 
the Polly doll in her own room with a spirit box so she can communicate. Or Charles Manson's dentures. Well, I'm going to talk about the mirror. Thank you for not talking about dentures. They gross me out. Apparently, this mirror was owned by Bella Lugosi, who may have used it for scrying or in other occult rituals. Death, nightmares, unexplained scratches on people all have been reported in relation to this mirror. You can look it up online and read the different stories. The owner of the mirror ended up donating it to Zach's museum, and he claims right after receiving the mirror, the museum's basement flooded. Coincidence? Shrug. The tour guide explained that we were all welcome to look in the mirror, but we're not obligated. We all signed a waiver prior to entering the museum that any injuries or hauntings were not the responsibility of the museums. The guide shared stories of people having adverse reactions to looking in the mirror and then explained we would line up and each look in the mirror for three seconds if we wanted to. I thought, why not? I'm a skeptical believer, meaning I'll try to debunk every experience until all that's left that can explain it is the paranormal. So we obediently line up and each take a turn looking in the mirror. The tour guide politely lets us know when our three seconds are up. Nobody is reacting or saying a word, and I'm truly thinking this is bullshit. When I woke up and take my short look in the mirror, I saw my reflection. That's it. Just my reflection. And then I noticed it's a little off. I look older. A lot older. My hair is in the same style, and the mirror is dark, so I can't see color in it. My face, though, there's wrinkles and sagging around my neck and just so many wrinkles. My cheeks droop. My eyes are heavy. My lips look shriveled. What the fuck? I didn't react. Three seconds is not a lot of time to fully grasp what's happening. I didn't even fully digest what I saw until I had time later to think about it. I don't know what it means or why I saw what I did. I can say I have a very strong fear of being old. I'm not scared of dying, but I'm terrified of getting shriveled and immobilized and unable to control my bladder and bowels. The idea of becoming somebody's burden or not having the funds to afford care is terrifying for me. I don't want to get old for these reasons, and I wonder if the mirror showed me a peek at my greatest fear. I don't know. What do you think? I love y'all so much and thank you for bringing happiness into my world. I'm so behind on episodes and rarely get on Facebook anymore. So my presence in the group has dwindled. But every time I play an episode and hear your voices, I just feel y'all are my people. You've pulled me through some really dark times, like for realsies. I feel so lucky to have found you. Stay spooky, Andy in Utah. Okay, Carrie, do you know who Bella Lugosi is? No. He played uh, Nosferatu, the vampire. Oh. Anyway, he's a doctor. <laughs> I wish I could have seen her playing the... The vampire? Dos Vidanias, or whatever she just said. <laughs> Nosferatu? Because, you know, like, it's always it's in the shadow the, and, like... Oh, no, I thought it was because the piano is always, like, really high when they do those. No, because it's, like... Like the two-tiered? No, you would see the shadow and it's, like, his long fingers is, like... Okay, note to self, never do that in charades because you won't get it. (laughs) I've heard that kind of stuff about that mirror. And it is, I think, supposed to show you like something that you fear. So that makes sense. True. Oh, and you're right. Like, it's not the fear of dying. It's the fear of being someone's burden or just not being able to do for yourself. Because it really does suck. I hate having to rely on people. And I mean, everyone has to for other like... For small things, for big things, for whatever. And 
it's like when someone's relying on you, you're like, it's not, you're not a burden. You're not any of this. But then it's when it's like me being that quote unquote burden, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I don't want to ask. So like, I totally get that fear. I will say like, I like completely agree with you with everything about Dibbit Douche. But it kind of is awesome that he has this place where people can like safely get rid of these artifacts that are whatever, you know, yeah. that are causing them so much stress in their lives because it's this possessed or or haunted object. And it's like, no, I can't have this anymore. It's like ruining my life. And then yeah. like, he contains it, you know, in this like safe space. Right. So that is kind of cool. I mean, fuck him, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's the kind of person... That you just love to hate. Yes. And that's his, that's his shtick. Yeah. Like, you have to have someone in that. And so it's like, eh, that's it. Because I bet, like, on the real day-to-day, he's probably, well, maybe he is. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to give him a bit of a doubt. I, I mean, like, were. I wanted to give him a bit of a doubt just in case he ever wanted to come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, one would be like, look, I say your name like you say it, even though I think it's Baggins, and I think it's just his accent that says Baggins, but I do say it, Baggins. Okay, he's definitely going to sign up for the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, we're not a blimp on his radar. No. Wait, blip. See, we are a blimp. We're a blimp. We're, a, we're, a blimp. we're like the size of the blimpy thing. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> oh, good. I definitely want to go to that museum, though. Me too. Oh, my God, me too. Will I be a nervous wreck? Yes. Will Carrie hit something and make it knock off? Yes. Just don't be Peggy the doll or Polly or whatever. Please don't. You know, the night in that hotel room after we go there, I am going to be so like, oh. Oh, yeah. I honestly like, yes, (laughs) that. Everything. I'm like, did you hear something? Someone walking in the hall. (laughs) It's a hotel room. I'm like, Donna, somebody just closed her fucking door. (laughs) And then it would literally be me doing the same thing. And she'd be like. That, that was an ice machine. <laughs> oh, my God. If you're close to the ice machine, oh, that's even better. Like, what? you don't have to walk all... I always have oh, to try I'm... to find the ice machine and the snack machine that's normally bad. Everything is better in a snack machine. Anyway, sorry. Whew. The next one is called Sleep Paralysis, Witch, and Aliens. Hey, Donna and Carrie. My name is Emily, and you can use it. My pronouns are she and they. I just want to share some possibilities for the old lady's appearance in Sinister Sightings episode 112 and why aliens might not know how our bodies work. A question from Carrie in episode 168. I'll try to keep it short. The appearance of old women, specifically a creepy unkept and sinister witch type of woman is very common. I would call it a symptom of sleep paralysis because that's when she appears most often, as well as your listener's story in episode 112, I believe. I say it's common as well because listening to multiple podcasts about paranormal subjects, a lot of people have similar stories. In episode 112, a listener describes an old woman almost identically to another sightings, as well as the intentions of the woman. If this woman was able to move from one person's nightmare to another, that would explain why so many people have seen her, don't you think? She's developed into not just a nightmare, but an entity in a way. She's a common character appearing in many people's rooms and end of their bed, who's always a little too close. I learned about some of the Night Hag's lore from another podcast, Let's Get Haunted, in case you might want to look into that further. Which one do you ladies think it is? A demon? A spirit? 
a wild coincidence? I think she's definitely something evil or mischievous who just likes to hop person to person scaring them. Next, aliens. I really like aliens, so I will nerd out a little here. Carrie, you're wondering how aliens know how to erase our memories, but still need to study us. I, therefore, write this email to offer you an explanation. If we believe aliens are real, then all of them are real, including the ones that look like humans. There are many aliens that are variations of humans or appear to be fully human, just have different abilities or clothes. For example, Nordic aliens are literally just blonde people, and men in black aliens are almost human. If the aliens in Donna's story have also performed tests on such human-like species, they would know what's up with us, too. It's very possible that if they have tested on other human species variations, they would know the basics of our brains enough to erase our minds. Humans from Earth might still have some differences, so that's why they still need to do the anal probing, I suppose. If there are variations of species through the universe, then that could also explain why there's so many humanoid aliens and other categories like greys that have many different versions throughout stories. Anyway, aliens might know some basics about our body because there are other bodies like ours out there. I hope this was entertaining to you. Sorry it's so much. I just have a lot of free time right now. I love your podcast. I think it's funny. I always have to listen to you two before sunset because sometimes I do get scared, unfortunately. Have a great day and good night, Emily. Never heard of Nordic aliens and nor do I know what the heck Grays is. <laughs> it's not the TV show. Oh, uh, duh. <laughs> um, to talk about the old hag, I think people say she could be a demon, but... I think she is just an entity like the shadow people and stuff. But with her, you know, she'll appear like at the bottom of your bed or on top of you and like smothering you and all the things with sleep paralysis. So I feel like she does steal something from you, like your energy, your whatever. And so that's how she survives. But it's so funny that you just talked about it, Carrie, like, well, I know things can hop between dreams or whatever. And I never thought about that. Like, yeah, these people see these entities. And what if it really is like the same entity just hopping through other people's dreams and stuff? Like, I always thought it was just like a group of people like, oh, those are the old hags. But what if it really is like... Like the Sandman, but you're already asleep. Yeah. And for the alien thing, that makes total sense. Also, I was just thinking, um, hello, humans can erase people's memories and like fuck them all up. How like in asylums, they did all, like all the, uh, what is it? The test? The um, lobotomies? Well, oh God, that. <laughs> Those get me every fucking time. But like, no, when they zapped your like brain to help with like schizophrenia. Oh, yeah. Like the electrical stimulation. Yeah. But like, so some of that would erase people's memories and stuff. And obviously they remembered that because blah, blah, blah. But we're still studying people on all kinds of things. Like we humans are still studying ourselves because there's so much we don't know about ourselves. So even if aliens have this technology they can use, they still have to study us. We're still studying us. We sent people to the moon, but we're still studying us. Like people evolve. That's why you have to keep studying. You're right. Thank you, Emily. Also, you're pulling a freaking Karen, our assistant who's not really an assistant, but pulling out all these episode numbers and all of that. Like, okay. The next one is little ghost boy question mark. Hey chicks, creep mom here. I was on the Creepinati Discord while listening to today's episode. Call it immersion therapy and not obsession. 
Okur. You do it though. Okur. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Yessi asked people if they believed in ghosts and had any experiences. And it reminded me that I promised y'all this story a long time ago. For the creepsters who don't know, I've been a paranormal investigator since 2007. I've had to stop going to investigations due to my health. Sitting completely still without fidgeting for hours at a time is a lot harder than it used to be. Now, I'm definitely a carry on the skeptic scale, maybe even higher, but I have experienced some things I can't explain. In this particular case, we were contacted by a couple who were having things happen in their home. They would hear footsteps on the stairs, they would be woken up by their bed shaking slightly, and the husband had experienced a weight on his chest that would wake him up. The upstairs hallway made them feel scared and paranoid. The husband said he would turn off the hall light and run to the bedroom. We all remember that maneuver from childhood, I'm sure. How far away could you jump so the thing under your bed couldn't reach you? Childhood, Donna's every day. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. If I have to turn off every light, yeah, I'm jumping into the bed. The only way I would not be able to jump like that is going into Carrie's bed because Speaking of Nordics, like the Nordic kings would be who sleeps on that fucking bed. Tall ass people like her and Colby. Because it comes up to like my boobs. She's not lying. I'm not lying. (laughs) Anyway, back to Creep Mom's story. Their German shepherd refused to go into the kitchen. And they had seen a little boy standing in the kitchen a few times. They were legitimately terrified and looking for help. We agreed to do an investigation, and our researcher started looking into the property history. He did discover that a four-year-old boy had died from tuberculosis in the early 1900s. I can't remember the actual year because I'm the carry in this regard, too. This was a small row house, townhouse for y'all in the South, positioned at the end of the street. I was sitting in the doorway of the master bedroom and could see all the other doors and the top of the stairs. Speaking of the hallway, when we took the EMF meters throughout the house, the hallway was off the charts. They were working on renovating the house, but hadn't gotten to the wiring yet, so it was old and not well insulated. Some people are sensitive to these EMF leaks and can experience a wide range of symptoms. These can include headaches, rashes, insomnia, nausea, as well as depression, anxiety, changes in memory, and lack of concentration. It's true. Goog that shit to see even more. On the flip side, some theories suggest that high EMF readings can act as batteries for ghosts and give them energy to manifest. After we had set up video cameras and the digital recorders in several rooms, we split the team. Half of the team went downstairs with the owners and half stayed upstairs. All the lights were off and we were taking turns doing EVP sessions so we didn't cross-contaminate each other's recordings. Side note, we make sure to tag every identifiable sound during these recordings. For instance, if a car drives by, we say car. Or if your stomach growls, you say, that was me. It happens a lot. We call those our gremlins. (laughs) Yeah. I was sitting in the doorway of the master bedroom where I could see the entire upstairs hallway, all the doors to the other bedrooms, and the top of the stairs. At one point, we heard someone coming up the stairs. We assumed one of the downstairs team was coming up for some reason, but no one came up. We heard a few more steps. They were slow and paced slightly apart. At that point, my daughter said, or it's a ghost and we're totally ignoring it. When we reviewed the recording later, we heard a child giggle right after she said that. Lou went downstairs to make sure no one had moved. They hadn't, but they had heard the steps too. 
When we played back the recordings, we were able to compare Lou's footsteps with the ghost footsteps. Lou's were faster. He had on tennis shoes, and so the soles didn't make the same hard tapping as the others. And nearly every stair had creaked as he went down, and there was no creaking with the ghost footsteps. None. Picture it. Have you seen a really young child go up or down the stairs, their hand on the wall, taking one step at a time because their little legs are too short, taking forever and you just want to carry them up and get them to bed, but they need to learn to do it themselves. But why is it taking so long? Sorry, flashback to when I had some more patience. That's exactly what it sounded like. The cadence as one foot, then another climbed up the step, then a pause, and then another two footsteps. These pieces of evidence and Lou's historic research suggested that the little boy hadn't moved on. We started thinking about other incidents the family had witnessed. Could the shaking of the bed and the weight on the dad's chest be the little kid trying to wake up dad? We presented all the evidence to the family, and that was enough to put their fears to rest. Before we left, we had the family talk to the spirit. We encouraged them to tell him that he didn't have to stay, that he could move on to another place. But if he chose to stay, he had to follow the rules of their house. As Carrie would say, first of all, don't fuck with my sleep. They told us at a follow-up visit that things had really calmed down. I imagine he just wanted to be noticed. I've never been scared at any of our investigations, but I have felt sad for the ghost. So that's the story of the little boy ghost. I do have recordings of Lou's footsteps and the ghost footsteps. I can upload them to the Facebook group and y'all can decide for yourself. Thanks again for sharing your talent with the world and creating an amazing community that I'm proud to be a mother to. Love y'all, Creep Mom, Teresa B. What are you talking about? A little kid going up the stairs? That's me going up the stairs. And that's Carrie behind me going, go, go, go faster. She's not lying. <laughs> like, picture when I walk with her. I'm like Sully from Monsters <laughs> College when they're like in the library. And he's like, just fucking go. <laughs> If I have tennis shoes on, I'm better. But when I ha- I'm better, I said I didn't say I'm fast as fuck, boy. But if I have flip flops on, no, mm-mm. my toes can probably pick up something by themselves because they grip so tight <laughs> in my shoes when I'm walking. Because I am having to try to walk faster just to keep up with Carrie. We have like been in sync before, and I walk like two to her one. <sighs> I'm serious. And the thing is, is I'm one of the slow ones in my family. Uh, we talked about that. I mean, not one of, I am the, let's be honest. Your sister Christy is fucking, I don't know, the Flash. <laughs> you got so, like, you, I've never even heard you say that accent. Your sister Christy. <laughs> Christy's like, what do I do? I just walk. That's a Thanksgiving that I never want to remember. Or Black Friday. Oh, yeah, we'll go to the mall and I'll get some stuff. Yeah, exercise. I got exercise. And I didn't sign up for that. If you would have had an Apple Watch then, it would have thought you were legit exercising. They would have been like, Who, who's wearing your watch, Donna? Because I know it ain't you. No, it would say, go sit on the couch. You deserve it. You need a break. Your heart rate's too high. <laughs> Oh, golly. I mean, at least I did have a plan. And so it was like not going bing, 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 bing to like the opposite ends. Like they had a mission. Of course we did. But my family's been doing Black Friday since the 80s when you had to get the clippings out of the newspaper. (laughs) It was a lot. I remember we had to go get an ornament Mm -hmm. from one of the things. Penny, I think. And I was like so excited because I was like going to get something. I wasn't. None of that was worth that ornament. Okay. Mm -mm. It would be if you had one every single year. 
Look, I'm not committed to anything in my life that much. I mean, me neither. I quit going long ago because of my ADHD. I can't do it. It's too many crowds. It's too many people. It makes me angry because I'm anxious and my anxiety makes me angry. So I quit going a long time. When Christy had her kids, I was like, I'll stay with kids. (laughs) I'll babysit. Bye. Have fun. Well, We'll why did we go that time? I don't know. I think you just wanted to. I don't know why. But I'll never forget. Christy, she a track star. She a runner, she a track star. Isn't that what that song <laughs> yes. is? Yeah, and Teresa, you best be posting that. Yes. Um, if you don't know, we call her Crete Mom because she has been with us for a long time. And she was like the original moderator in the Facebook mm-hmm. group. She keeps everything in line. She's everything to us. She really is. She's a second mom. Like we, I don't know, the Facebook group, y'all give us credit, but it's Crete Mom. Yes. The other day we were on Discord playing and I said... Teresa, and she was like, how dare you use that name? And I was like, why did I just say that? That felt weird. Like, it's great, Mom. Why did I say Teresa? But, oh, God, I don't know. It was just like, that came out of my mouth. I don't know. But that's how, like, she is. Great, Mom. Okay, the next one. Hey, I'm a newer listener and newer to the group. I've gone back and been listening to old podcasts, and I heard you talk about sleep paralysis a few times. Well, I have an experience for you. A little backstory. I've always believed in the paranormal, and my mom and dad's house is particularly creepy and just doesn't feel right. I've always had experiences there. Okay, so picture it. It's 2009. I was 14 and on Christmas break from school. I would always stay up late because, you know, that was the cool thing to do. It was like 2 to 3 a.m. Yeah, I know, dead time. And I finally decided to go to sleep. I just closed my eyes when I heard the door open. I always slept with my door shut. And I thought it was my dad coming to check on me. Spoiler, it was not my dad. I heard a growl when my door opened. And that scared me in itself because we don't have any animals in the house. Next thing I know, I feel hands on my ankles, arms, and on my face holding me down. I can still feel the fingers to this day. It was horrifying. I did not open my eyes. I didn't want to. I just started praying. That was all I knew to do. And as soon as I started praying, it went away. I sat up in bed and looked at my door and it was wide open. I still get chills thinking about it. I don't know exactly what happened, but I hadn't fallen asleep yet. So I don't think it was sleep paralysis. I have many other stories I can share with you if you want. Thanks for listening. Emily from Tennessee. Emmy from Tinny. No. Okay. Well, she is Emily B. from Tennessee. I know, but I'm just saying. Emily from Tinny, I like too, though. Emmy from Tinny is what you said? Yeah. I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, like you it. know that was cute. <laughs> I knew you would love it. <laughs> you said Emmy from Tinny? Okay, I like it. <laughs> just takes my brain a little bit to process, okay? Look, I know that experience was scary for you, but that sounds arousing to me. I'm done. <laughs> and she takes her headphones off and walks out the room. <laughs> oh, good. Ma'am, no. Yes, it is. Yeah, if you, like, I know. Said, I know that that was scary for her. I'm just saying... I slid off my chair listening. I mean, one of my favorite things that Colby does is whenever I'm asleep and he's coming to see if I'm asleep and he walks in and slides his hand up my leg. Mm -hmm. But like, he doesn't growl at me before he comes in. Oh, you can growl too. (sighs) Ma'am. Nothing, nothing wrong with a little primal, okay? But seriously, back to your story, Emmy from Tinny. 
Um, that is scary when you think it's your dad and it's like a non-human and then you can't move. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, don't all like of that. a sudden you don't like it. I am just saying, I understand. <laughs> Look, I've already made it dirty. I can't keep making it dirtier. I mean, I could, but oh, I should We know that you could. You have the powers. <laughs> the powers that be for Emmy in Tennessee. Or what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Emmy from Tennessee. That fucked that all up. <laughs> Emmy from Tennessee. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) She's been having that Tennessee whiskey. Well, Emmy from Tenny, you know we want you to send in all those stories. All of them. One, we're nosy. Two, we're nosy. Three, Donna wants to slide off her chair again. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm going to write fan fiction to her email. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. You're done. Next one. Hello, ladies. No need to stay anonymous. My name is Tabitha. I'm a fairly new listener, but I binge listen to your podcast while I'm at work, and I'm obsessed. Ironically, listening to these insane stories keeps me sane while working. Sorry in advance for this being so long, but there's a lot for me to unpack here, and I want to give you all the tea. After gathering info from the family and trying to recall my own memories, I figured it was finally time to tell you my spooky experience. While listening, I was bummed I didn't have any personal stories to tell until I heard a few previous creepsters recount their sinister sightings, and I realized, well, shit, I do have a story. I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before since this is a time in my life that would always pop into my head. It's kind of that experience that stays with you forever, even though you might not want it to. Names will remain the same. Everyone's okay with it. So my sister Megan and I are two years apart and both of us experienced the same thing. Although neither of us talked about it to each other since it occurred until now. This story is mostly paranormal with just a dash of true crime. So picture it. My story takes place about 1998 to 2001. Exact dates are fuzzy to me since I was so young, but I know I was in pre-K to second grade, so I was about four or five and my sister six or seven. (laughs) Why are you laughing? How old were we in 1998? Eighth grade. Well, either the very end of seventh grade or the very beginning of eighth. Yeah, and she's in pre-K. That's why I'm laughing. Also, I'm so glad you do numbers like that because I still don't know. I just remember Casey and Kenneth graduated in 99. We were in eighth grade. (laughs) Those are the math questions I don't like. (laughs) You know what I know? We graduated in 2003 and it's almost 20 years. Truth. My family and I moved to Livingston, California into this beautiful home with a massive backyard, practically a large dirt field. The home itself often gave me mad creeps. So my siblings, I have four, and I would play outside most of the time digging holes, dirt forts, and play battlefield or catch frogs, you know, normal shit. My parents never kept anything from us, so we knew when we moved in, there had been a death in the house. The exact details of the death, no one quite remembered to a T, except that it was mede. From what I can recall, a couple lived in the house previously, and the husband was abusive. Not sure to what extent, emotionally, physically, mentally, or all of the above. So let me back up a bit and describe the layout of the home. 
I needed my parents to clarify this part a bit. So when you walk up the front of the house, there's a few steps to the porch because the home was half raised since the land was on an incline. When you walk into the front, it's a living room with the hall to the left leading to my grandma's room. If you walk straight from the front door, there's a kitchen to the right and a dining room to the left separated by a half wall. Through the kitchen on the right was my parents' room. To the left of the dining room was a doorway to a side hall with a bedroom on both ends and a bathroom in the middle. And past the dining room was a couple of steps that led to the den, which was connected to the garage. Okay, so now that you know every useless detail of the house, I'll get down to it. My parents would typically take in their friends or family who were down on their luck, and they'd stay with us until they no longer needed to. At this time, my parents' friend Dave and his son, little Dave, stayed in mine and my sister's room to the left of the bathroom, and my Uncle Bill stayed in our converted garage, and my grandma, who was suffering from Alzheimer's, was staying with us as well. So my oldest brother stayed in the den, my two other brothers shared a room on the right side of the bathroom, and my sister and I gave up our room for the front room. My parents worked full-time, my dad with four jobs, my mom with two, both doing security and some other odd jobs to support us, so we were raised by my oldest brother, uncle, and grandma most of the time. How do you even work that many jobs? Whew, I don't know. So, the murder happened in the den. The woman was shot in the head by her husband, and the bullet went through the window, which was never replaced. I don't remember what happened to the husband, unfortunately. I had never seen anything in that house until we left our room. We would sleep on the couches, and laying there, you could see a clear path through the dining room into the den. I would get this chilling feeling that something was watching us, and I was always too scared to open my eyes and check. Until one day, I did. I opened my eyes trying to be brave and convince myself I was just being a scaredy cat and nothing was watching me. Only I was wrong and something was. All I saw was a pair of glowing red eyes on a translucent, pale, white face on the wall. No body, just a face. I squeezed my eyes shut and scooted closer to my sister, putting my face into her back with the covers over my head. I stayed there silently crying, clinging to my sis until I fell asleep. The next day, I remember my sister telling me that she woke up to me crying and she saw a floating pale face with red eyes on the dark wall, so she covered her head with the pillow and fell asleep. Freaked out, I told her I saw the same, but she didn't believe me because I, being the little sister who would copy her all the time, and she thought she had just dreamt it and I was just going along with it. Over the next couple of nights, sure enough, the face appeared and I made sure Megan knew I saw it too. We eventually stopped sleeping in the living room and would sneak into our parents' room instead because we were so scared. It seemed like each time we saw the face, it would get closer and closer. After about a month of not seeing it, we fell asleep on the couch watching TV and when I had to get up to go pee, I opened my eyes and the pale face with glowing red eyes was about a foot away from my face. I immediately started crying, which woke my sister up. She bolted up to comfort me when the face turned to her and she saw it. We were both in tears, hugging each other, eyes tightly shut. My parents came in and turned on the lights and it had vanished. That was the last time either of us had seen that creepy ass face, but it wasn't our last paranormal experience in that house. I would constantly see dark shadows cross doorways out of the corner of my eyes and nothing would be there. Eventually, Dave and his son moved out and my sister and I got our room back, which we felt safe in, thank God. Now, my grandma, she was very far gone with Alzheimer's at this point, where she would think she was my age and get dressed to go to school with us. 
She would say things like she wanted to come with us to school because she didn't want to see the scary people in her room anymore. I didn't know this at the time, though, but my parents filled that in for me, which makes the story all the more creepy for me. About a year later, in 1999, my uncle would tell us the things he's seen in the house. Shadows passing doorways, dark figures in the corner of rooms, but nothing about a pale face. He would often tell us that there were many spirits in the house. By the end of the year, my grandma moved in with my aunt and uncle in Merced for full-time care until she passed peacefully in her sleep early 2000. Every time I'd visit, I always felt at peace in the room she died in, and I felt like she followed me wherever I went. After she passed, I stopped seeing things in our home, and we ended up moving back to Merced mid-2000. Throughout my life, I would see things out of the corner of my eye, but I'd think nothing of it and move on. I had ultimately forgotten about all of those incidences until recently. I always felt like my grandma was watching over me and protecting me. Like whenever I'd see things, I'd hear her voice in my head saying, you're all right, nothing will harm you. That could just be my own conscience talking to me, but in her voice to comfort me because she always did. Oh, something I forgot to mention, ever since I could remember, I would often feel an older male presence, but it felt very calming, as if he would be around to just let me know he was there. I felt him more in our Livingston house and less when we moved. I was never afraid of him. I almost felt more vulnerable when he wasn't around. Flash forward to about a month ago, my oldest brother took me to the cemetery my grandparents were buried because I had never been. They were buried together. I had never met my grandpa. He died before I was born, nearly one month exactly before. I can't be sure if the male presence I felt as a kid was him or not because I never got to know him, but I'd like to think he was there, watching and protecting. It feels like he was waiting for his wife, my grandma, watching over her too until she joined him because once she did go, he left too. While getting information for this, I asked my family if they had experienced anything similar in that house. My parents said no, but they knew that my sister and I had bad feelings there. My oldest brother told me that he knew it was haunted, but never personally experienced anything like us. He told me that it was probably because we were kids and were more keen or tuned in with the supernatural that we saw things that no one else did. This makes sense to me and kind of explains why my grandma saw spirits too. She had childlike moments in her last years and only in those moments would she talk about the scary people in her room. I can't explain how my Uncle Bill saw the same things though. He passed a few years after we moved back to Merced. Maybe he just said that to mess with me and my sister, or maybe he was a medium. I'll never know, unfortunately. So that's my story on my haunted Livingston home. I hope you all, you can say y'all, enjoyed it. I do have some other stories I can tell about my siblings and my deja vu experiences and some more on true crime side that I'll send in when I can. Love you ladies for always bringing us quality content that never fails to put a smile on my face with your infectious laughter. Y'all are doing amazing. Creep it real and until next time, bye. That pale face, uh uh-uh, with the glowing eyes, no thank you. And then like when it's getting closer and closer and closer to you, it reminds me of one of those kid stories we read for 31 Nights and it was like the ceiling would get closer and closer to the person, like to the little girl until it like engulfed her or whatever. Yeah. Uh, But that, oh, shit like that freaks me out when I'm like, is that closer? Also, that's very sweet to think that it was your grandpa and that he was waiting for his wife and then he left with her like because they were at peace together. And I cannot wait to hear all the rest of your stories. 
Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all. So, I was in the middle of a Sinister Sightings episode when I was inspired to send you guys a few stories. I won't even apologize for this being a longer one. I know y'all won't mind. The first story I'll tell you is a bit of a creepy one. I'll end with a more bittersweet story as a palate cleanser. Sorry, no ambient stories here. I have no issues sleeping, ever. I was about 10 or 11 years old. My sister and I shared a bedroom in our creepy old house when we used to live in Indiana. I say creepy because there were numerous times I would hear someone walking downstairs when I would be upstairs alone too, or someone walking upstairs when I was downstairs. I used to tell myself that it was just an old house making creaking sounds when I was a young kid home alone so I wouldn't be terrified. So anyway, I was lying down to sleep that night and my sister was asleep in her bed. I was saying my prayers that night and asking God to protect me and my family as I always do at bedtime. When I hear the most terrifying guttural laugh, it was demonic. There was no doubt in my mind that's what it was. In that moment, I was paralyzed with fear. It was like whatever it was had literally just laughed in my damn ear. I wanted to run downstairs and get my mom, but I didn't want to leave my baby sister alone in our room. And for some reason, even hearing this laugh in my ear, I thought whatever demonic presence this was would be waiting in the hallway for me as if I were in some kind of trap. So I huddled up under my covers and prayed some more. And that's the end of the memory for me. I actually had forgotten about this. Who forgets something like that? And I honestly think my brain was trying to protect me or something because it still terrifies me to this day. I'm 29 and still sometimes sense something with me. Usually it isn't a dark presence or I don't feel like it is anyway. My next story takes place my freshman year of high school. The following events have only been told to a very select amount of people close to me because it isn't something I share usually, but I feel I should share it with you guys. This is my proof that any sort of paranormal or afterlife does exist. My Uncle Charles passed away when I was 13. I remember seeing him before his passing in the summer. I remember this little voice telling me, make sure you go hug and kiss him as much as you can because this is the last time you're going to see him alive. I kept trying to shake that feeling and that voice, but I'm so glad I didn't because that voice was right. He passed away only a few short months later. I believe now that it was my spirit guide telling me to say goodbye. He wasn't sick that we know of or anything. It was a sudden death. He became very ill very quickly. I went to see him in the hospital hoping to say goodbye, but he was unconscious. I went to school the next day. I made my mom promise me that if he passed, she would come get me. When my name was called over the intercom system to come to the office only a couple of hours later, I knew. When I saw her, I dropped to my knees. He was such an amazing and kind soul, and I miss him very much. He always made me feel so special. I should add he was my great uncle, my papa's brother. So he was in his late 60s when he passed, but we were very close. I felt even closer to him than my papa growing up, and I was a papa's girl. So after he passed, I was heartbroken. I wanted to say goodbye. I knew I had hugged him and kissed him when that voice told me to, but it still didn't feel like that was nearly enough. The night he passed, I played a song for him in my bedroom and prayed to God that he would please, oh please, let me say goodbye one last time. That night, I dreamt of my Uncle Charles. We were sledding in the clouds, and he looked different, like so much younger that he didn't even look like himself, but I knew it was him. I felt it was him. We had such a good time, and I told him I love him. Now, this part is a little embarrassing and why I don't tell this story to many, but now that I'm adult, I'm okay with sharing. 
I know it's perfectly normal. So I was 13, a 13, almost 14 year old girl. I'm sure most adolescents are curious about sexuality around this time. I had discovered pleasuring myself, face palm. I was embarrassed and thought as a ghost, what if he saw me do that or something? I mean, I hadn't done it obviously that day, but still, I was raised Christian and so I thought I was wrong for that. So in my dream, I asked him, are you disappointed in me? He said, oh, Bean, my nickname, I could never be disappointed in you. And he placed his hand on my shoulder. And in that moment, I woke up. I was bawling. It was the goodbye I needed. To this day, I truly believe it was him saying goodbye. Now, fast forward to the year I had my oldest son. So many complications with this pregnancy. So many. I'm lucky he's here and healthy for the most part. But I was around 26 weeks when I had the only other dream of my Uncle Charles. Not once in nine years had I dreamt of him since then. My Paul's other brother had passed, so obviously my Uncle Charles' other brother as well. I couldn't go to the funeral due to complications with my pregnancy and his funeral being out of state. I had a dream where I was at the grocery store and checking out and I looked up and what do you know? My Uncle Charles is my cashier. So silly, but again, he looked different and I knew it was him. I said, Uncle Charles, what are you doing here? I was so happy to see him. He replied, oh, I just wanted to check on you and see that you were okay. And that was it. He wanted to check you out. Oh, God. Okay. A week later, I had my son born at 27 weeks and one day, three months early to the day. I really think he was coming to tell me that everything's going to be okay. My son did stay in the NICU for 11 weeks, but luckily didn't suffer any physical or mental handicaps from being born so early. I haven't dreamt of him since. This was over six years ago. He was the only person I was ever really close to that I lost, but I still think of him often, and now I know I'll see him again someday. I wonder if he's one of the several guardian angels or spirit guides I have. I know I'll never really know, but I think he is. Also, I would like to add, while my son was in the NICU, I started to have a sense of despair. I expected him to stay for quite some time, but I was ready to have my baby home. My ex-mother-in-law gave me a gift. She told me she felt like Carolyn would want me to have it. Carolyn was my ex-husband's mama, whom I had never met. She passed a few years before I had met him and gotten married, but the stories of her love are abundant. I wish I could have known her, or at least met her. The gift she felt compelled to give me was a stuffed Peter Cottontail that played music. My son was discharged from the NICU in April, on Easter Sunday. Whoa, I really think she was saying there's a rainbow at the end of this tunnel. Stay positive. It gives me chills to write about this. I will say I have feelings from time to time that something is going to go wrong, and it usually does. Or I can sense someone's emotion very quickly. I think I could be an empath. I do have tarot cards and occasionally do them for fun, but they have come true several times before, and it's a little scary to me, actually. I was raised Christian, so I feel like it could be wrong, but I tell myself it's not fortune-telling. It's a game, essentially. This is something I struggle with internally and wonder if anyone else does, too. Who's to say that spirit guides don't work for and with God? I think they do. Anyway, this was a long one, but thank you for taking the time to read it. I hope to hear it on the Sinister Sightings when I finally catch up. I listen when I do laundry and dishes, really any housework, so I'll get there. I plan on becoming part of the beautiful Creepsters when I graduate nursing school in December and get my big girl job. I'm a single mom of two handsome boys and a full-time nursing student whose money is scarce, 
but I'm so close to graduating and so ready. Thank you too so much for what you do for everyone. I don't know if you realize how amazing it is to know that whenever I'm alone and need company, I could just turn on your podcast and feel like I'm really sitting with two girlfriends listening to some awesome stories. Y'all are so funny and entertaining. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Creep It Real, Rebecca from Kentucky. Well, congrats on being almost graduated. Well, she might have been graduated at this point. <laughs> yes. Because we're in June. True. Yeah. Congrats. Hell yeah, congrats. That's a huge accomplishment. And I think that that's such a normal thing to think you're doing something wrong when you're like exploring yourself when you're younger. Yes. Especially if you do have a religious background, any religion, you know, it is like, this isn't right though. Like... Which makes no sense. It makes no sense. None at all. But yeah, that's common for sure. And I don't think tarot cards are bad. I mean, obviously, because I get readings done all the time. (laughs) Most of the time, it just like reassures me what I'm feeling anyway, like my gut's saying to me. So they're like friends. And I don't understand why like fortune telling is bad from the Bible, you know? Right. Well, because that's been around like, I feel like before, like before God, like before Jesus and stuff. The tarot cards and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, like fortune telling and all of that. That's like older than old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, honestly, wouldn't that be kind of like revelations and stuff? I don't know. That's like telling of the future and what could happen and all that. I don't know. Look, did I take Old Testament and New Testament in college? Yes. Did I retain anything from there? No. You know why? Because he would make us read out loud from the fucking Bible. Well, probably shouldn't say that, but anyway. But I would be like, one, two, three. Okay, 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 okay. Especially when it was like so and so begot, so and so begot, so and so begot. So I'm like, oh God, oh, I'm in college. I can't be messing up these words like this. I think there was a meme that said, like, my anxiety started with. Yes, 100. That. And it's like, no, that's legit. I would not comprehend anything because I literally counted the bodies and, like, okay, we're doing two sentences each. Flip, 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 flip. This is my sentence. Okay, okay, okay. Now go back. You know, like, yeah. oh, oh. Anyway, though, that has nothing to do with your story. But I think that he could be one of your guardian angels. Even if he's not, it's nice that you've gotten to see him so much. Yeah. It reminds me of another sinister sighting that said that they would, like, see their family, like, taking care of babies and, you know, whatnot. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like that's what his things were doing for you, too, like, giving you... Like, okay, everything's going to be okay. And like, I don't know. I just feel like that's really what that was, is like him comforting you because that's what he did for you in life. All right, last one. And it's titled, Donna Ask for This. Oh, God. (laughs) But it's scary slash weird things your kids do. Just some quick little memories. My stepson used to see people that weren't there. Yup. He'd ask, who is that lady? We would turn in that direction he was looking and see nothing. He would sit there and point at them or follow them with his eyes. It happened several times. He said they were trying to talk to him, but he couldn't hear their voices. He was only three years old at the time. It would happen in the bright light of day and at the end of the hall that was well lit by natural sunlight coming in from the skylights and open bedroom doors. He was not scared, but curious as to what they were trying to say. He would get upset with us because we couldn't see them. The house was not that old, and as far as I know, no one ever died there. The owner of the house was my husband's best friend. 
My husband rented a room there and had his son with him every other day. His babysitter lived there too, so they were very familiar with the house and never had any issues. One day, we came back from my house and the babysitter asked what the hell we were doing in the room all night. She said that we were making way too much noise and kept her up all night. She heard yelling and banging. She thought we were physically fighting. She probably really thought we were doing something else, but she dare not say. The thing is, we had stayed at my house that night. Nobody was in my husband's bedroom. We stayed at my house pretty much from that point on. The same kid used to wake up and stand by our bed when he was about seven years old. Since I'm a light sleeper, I would wake up and see his dark figure just standing there. Completely freaked out, I would ask him what was wrong and he wouldn't answer. I would get up, lay him back down, and not sleep the rest of the night. He never remembered why he got up. I assume he was kind of a sleepwalker. I should mention that I live in a small city, Menifee, in Southern California, where there's still small ranches and rural areas. I own a five-acre ranch with horses and goats, and neighbors are at least two acres away on either side of me with no neighbors in front or behind me, only land. One night, I woke up to my stepson's whimpering. Our window shades were drawn and he was standing in front of the window, which was on the wall across from our bed. I asked him what was wrong and he whispered, the red eyes. Huh? Excuse me? What did you say? What red eyes? I attentively shouted, surprising myself by the volume of my own voice. I jumped up and stared out the window with him, but saw nothing. I could see in the moonlight coming in that he had tears running down his face. I woke up his dad and told him what he said, and his dad just grabbed him, laid him down on our bed, and spooned him. They were back asleep in like 2.5 seconds while I stood there, wide-eyed, open-mouthed, staring out the window, trying to find those eyes, those red eyes. Needless to say, I didn't sleep much after that. My nerves were shot. My stepson is now 22 years old and still talks about those red eyes. Have a good one, ladies, and creep it real. Lolis. See, that's the thing. If I get woken up, I don't go to bed. Like, I can't go right back to bed. Especially if something creepy had happened. No, no, no. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can't. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, if something creepy happens, it takes me a minute. Yes. I remember when my sister, her husband, and my nephew had come to live with us in Mississippi. They're from California, coincidentally. And this was like the first time I had ever gotten to meet him, my nephew, because like they had adopted him when they were in California. So like we had like FaceTimed and stuff, but not like actually, I don't know. And I never really had, I had like nieces who were young, but then they were out of the house by the time they were like walking and stuff. But I remember he was, I think, two, like in toddler stages. But I remember waking up in the middle of the night being like, what if he was just standing over me with a knife? Yeah. Like, why would I think this kid's going to kill me? But I think it was just like uncertainty. And like, I was trying to be up enough that if I heard him, I could help him. But so he was on my mind. And what that equated to me was, he going to kill me? (laughs) But I remember being like... I'm going to wake up and he's going to be standing there with a knife. I don't know why. Yeah. But I don't know how people actually live after that happens. I mean, sans a knife, but like just someone standing there. No. I don't either. These stories were freaking awesome. Yes. Thank y'all so much for sending them all in. If you want your stories read on an episode, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.